Welcome to Be Ye Hearers. It's a podcast of St. James's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. A long, long time ago, a land called the Promised Land, God ruled God's people. The psalm says, The Lord shall reign forever, your God, O Zion, throughout all generations. Hallelujah. God reigned. But things were not always good for God's people. God's law was difficult to live by. Not only did God want them to serve God and only God, but God insisted that they had to treat each other with loving kindness too. It wasn't if, but when. They failed to honor God and each other. Inevitably, something bad would happen. God sent the people depicted in the book of Judges to save the tribes of Israel from one enemy after another. Each time a generation would pass and the people would abandon God and God's law again. The writers of Judges repeated the depressing refrain. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. Things would then be worse than before. God would send another judge to save them, but the cycle repeated downward and downward and downward to the point where they turned on each other, on the women and the children and the elderly especially, with violence. They ripped each other apart. Samuel was the last judge Though they had priests to lead worship and prophets to guide the people, it was hard to follow a king one cannot see. It was hard not to be jealous of other peoples who had kings to physically lead the charge into battle against their enemies. Someone who could take charge and take care of them, fix the messes. So, they asked Samuel, to choose a king. Samuel's heart was broken. God's heart was broken. After all God had done for this people and they wanted a human to lead them, God explained through Samuel how corrupt the kings would be. The verb repeated over and over in that paragraph of 1 Samuel 8 is take. Taking, taking from God's people, taking from families, taking even God's land, the very sacramental sign of God's covenant with God's people. But the people insisted. God gave them what they asked for. And sure enough, as the rest of the historical books and the prophets would tell and demonstrate, for 1,000 years, only one or two kings were considered good in God's sight. 
and certainly no human king lived up to God's standard. Until Jesus. And boy, was he unlike anything the people were expecting. Read on its own, in isolation, our passage today sounds pretty great. It's that familiar challenge of the dual loves, love God and love your neighbor. But when Jesus walked into Jerusalem that week, to the very stronghold of religious and political power, it was to say the leaders weren't doing that. They were missing the point, sometimes quite intentionally, misrepresenting God to everyone watching and leading astray the flock, God's flock. But Jesus didn't simply talk with words. Like a good prophet, he used theater. <laughs> Jesus chose to enter Jerusalem on a day when Jerusalem's leaders were leading flashy processions. And when he came into Jerusalem, it was not a flashy procession. It was not like a Davidic king. It was not in a mighty war chariot, but on the back of a borrowed donkey. This was a staged demonstration of the prophet Zechariah's words announcing the arrival of the new king. And you know what? He went straight into the temple, right into the faces of Jerusalem and temple leadership with it. And then, immediately, that's the key word in Mark, Jesus doesn't wait a beat, he goes to the next thing right away. The very next day, Jesus came into the temple and turned over the tables of the money changers. Boy, he had made his presence and his message known. So the next day, when he went into the temple, the leadership of the temple stormed up to Jesus. Under whose authority do you do these things, they demanded. Clearly, he had poked the bear. All the bears. Challenge accepted. First, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders try to put him in his place. And then after that, the Pharisees and the followers of King Herod take their turn against Jesus, these classic two parties who would never be seen together, now made friends by their common dislike of Jesus. And finally, the Sadducees, the religious party of the aristocratic priests, try to make Jesus slip up. But one by one, Jesus took each to task in so doing, naming quite publicly the truth that everyone knew, but no one had the guts to say. This leadership had abandoned God and God's people. Their questions were dishonest, clouded, or twisted by any number of things. Fear, maybe, greed, hopelessness, short-sightedness, complacency, sin. 
And like a jujitsu master, Jesus' responses let them defeat themselves, make plain their true priorities and motivations. His own spiritual center of gravity, so low in his humility, Jesus could not be destabilized. His eye, always on love of God and love of neighbor, Jesus could not be distracted or tricked. As the kids say, he was kicking some beep, <laughs> taking names. This is where our passage comes today. One scribe steps up. I imagine the room hushed. You can feel the electricity of the crowd's excitement, wondering what the scribe will ask Jesus, wondering how Jesus will respond. For the scribe's demeanor stands in stark contrast to the others. His question is genuine. What is the greatest commandment? I imagine Jesus looking at this man straight into the eyes as he said, love of God and love of neighbor. And the man looking right back at Jesus, you are quite right. The rest of the Bible, the stories, the teachings, the rituals, the rites, all of it is meant to illustrate these two simple principles, these two simple commandments. One cannot lose sight of the forest for the trees. Can you feel the intensity of these two men connecting? I imagine the feeling, the sensation of the one seeing the other and being seen by the other. Truly, you have come near the kingdom of God. Do you hear that? It's practically a throwaway line if we don't listen, but do you hear that? These other leaders are clearly following someone else's law, clearly being loyal to some other king, clearly inhabiting some earthly kingdom. But this guy, this guy has come near God's realm. This guy gets it. And no one dared ask him any more questions. Love of God, love of neighbor. We preach about it so much that it might fall on deaf ears. We, it's just, yeah, of course. But when St. Augustine of Hippo wrote his book, De Doctrina Christiani, in the 400s about how to teach Christianity, a full Three-quarters of it are simply about how to read the Bible properly, or as he put it, through the lens of these dual loves. And in our own very service of Holy Eucharist Rite 1, at the very beginning of the service, 
Matthew's version of these two commandments is read every time, every Sunday. Why? Because we need constant reminding. We all get lost in the weeds. Today, October 31st, Halloween, our Lutheran brothers and sisters around the world are celebrating Reformation Day. Instead of green, they're wearing red. For the anniversary of Martin Luther, confronting the church's leadership in his day of its sins. Like a good prophet, using theater, hammering 95 theses to the front of Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. It's probably anachronistic, but I wonder if Luther chose Halloween on purpose. Because the most frightening thing in the world is when God's people and leadership forget or neglect or ignore the dual loves in favor of other concerns and idols. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, says Luther. The ancient Israelites were definitely onto something. We humans do need physical leadership. We do need a king we can see, a king who is God, a king who is a savior. So God gave the people what only God could, what only God could even imagine, the seemingly impossible paradox, Jesus, whose law boils down to the dual loves. A long, long time ago, in a land called the Promised Land, God ruled God's people. And so it is still today. Like it or not, see it or not, comprehend it or not, we are ruled by God's law. Thank God Jesus came to show us what that means and to forgive us for when we fall short. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Ye Hearers. For our full worship service, go to doers.org slash live. To learn more about St. James's, go to doers.org. We hope you've been touched by the Holy Spirit today. We look forward to being your companion on your spiritual journey.